Hi everyone, and welcome to the last month of season two of Slow Stories. I've had such an incredible time chatting with some of the most innovative founders and brand builders, and I'm excited to share the last few episodes of the season with you all month long. But before we dive into the interview, today's Slow Story contributor and my dear friend, Aaron Alweiss of number 29, just returned from TED and is here to share highlights from a few of her favorite talks from the conference. Here's Aaron. Hi, I'm Erin Allweiss and I'm the co-founder of Number 29. We are a media relations agency with a focus on sustainability and social impact. And something that's been on my mind as a storyteller is truth in storytelling. I just got back from the TED conference and they're one of our clients and I had the distinct pleasure of hearing from all of the remarkable speakers. And there are two women who I recommend in particular who are on the stage One is Carol Codwaller. She is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist for The Guardian, and she gave a TED Talk on the 2016 vote in the UK to leave the European Union. We know how that turned out, and the same goes for the 2016 election in the United States. But what's interesting is the role of Facebook, and that is what she talks about. And as a storyteller, all of us, we are on Facebook and we use it as a platform, but this is a clear look at both the history of this platform in terms of how it's affected social movements and political um, votes. And it's also looked at what's going to happen in the future. And so for anyone who's interested in social change and storytelling, this talk is a must. And on another side of storytelling is Ez Devlin. She gave a talk about her work as a stage designer, and she's truly a master of her own universe. And that universe includes Beyonce and Kanye West. She does the stage designs for artists who are of that caliber and creates these experiences that bring audience and members along for such a memorable ride. And I cannot recommend more watching these two talks by two brilliant women who are at the top of their games when it comes to storytelling. So I hope you give it a watch or a listen. If you just want the audio, you can do that, but both are a must. Thanks so much again to Erin for sharing. To listen to these talks and to discover more inspiring speakers, check out Ted's website. Now, here's my conversation with Alicia Ramos of Girls Night In. Since connecting with Alicia Ramos last fall for a potential project opportunity with Connected Editorial, it's been amazing to keep in touch and witness this self-made founder rise to the occasion in her role as the founder and CEO of Girls Night In, a newsletter and event series championing the ever-pressing self-care movement that is changing the way modern women approach and make space for wellness in an increasingly always-on hustle culture. As a result, the weekly newsletter has become a digital oasis for over 150,000 women who'd rather stay in tonight, myself included. The company also supplements this newsletter with a variety of longer form articles and event series, in turn, creating a thoughtful and holistic experience for the growing Girls Night In community. The brand's candid and approachable voice has also provided Alicia with a platform to share her voice as a female founder who is establishing transparency and honest conversations around what it takes to build a tech brand, or any brand, in 2019. We spoke more about this in our conversation, along with how slow content permeates into Girls Night In's mission. So without further delay, meet Alicia Ramos. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be a part of Slow Stories. 
Um, outside of Girls Night In, I am a normal person. <laughs> uh, I really, in life, right now especially, the things that I value right now are, number one, my friendships. I found that now that I'm entering my 30s, my friendships have definitely evolved quite a bit. And a lot of us are on different coasts. We're now doing like the long distance friendship thing. And because of that, I've had to make more of like an intentional effort lately to invest more in my friendships um, because I love my friends and I, I want to continue, you know, having those connections with them. So that's kind of top of mind to me and in, in what I value in life. Um, I think the other thing that I am truly valuing right now is trying to be more present, which I think we'll probably talk more about later in this conversation. Um, but especially as I started this business and I, I'm in these like early stages, I'm trying to uh, find those moments to kind of take take a step back and take the bigger picture and um, have just have more perspective on my life as a whole and not just be uh, like tunnel vision about being a business owner, like whatever that means. So that's what I'm thinking about right now. Absolutely. I think both of those points are super important. And, you know, speaking of perspective, you were very much a career woman just based on the leadership positions that you held in, in tech and product. So tell me more about those experiences in that world and the people that you met in that world and how they kind of informed the inception of Girls Night In. Yes, my background is in technology. I am a self-taught designer uh, of software products as well as a self-taught front-end engineer. And I worked at Vox Media for uh, about four years or so uh, at a time when the company was experiencing hypergrowth. By the time I left, the team had doubled in size. Um, we, la- we had a couple of launches under our belts. I, my first week was when Vox.com launched. So it was a really exciting time to be at the company. And I just learned so much. I I worked on the business revenue side of things, uh, even as a designer. So I got to kind of see the intersection of editorial, technology, and revenue, which actually, in hindsight, now that I'm thinking about it, is kind of the perfect um, mix of things that helped me develop strong insights in launching Girls Night In, um, especially because Girls Night In is also, in my mind, that combination of, yes, we we create media, but we're also, of course, focused on revenue and also like how do we leverage technology to further develop the brand and further develop the business side of things. So it was extremely invaluable and the relationships and the knowledge that I built while there uh, can like continue to this day. Um, some of my best advisors that I'm constantly like emergency texting with <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. are from Box Media, and 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 so yeah, it was it was an incredible experience, uh, and I think it also helped me understand the media landscape a little bit better and how it's evolved so much. 
Um, and, and like Rachel, you know this, but uh, on the media side of things, I mean, it's, it, it's undergoing so much change right now. Um, and I won't go into the details and I'm sure like a lot of the listeners already know some of this stuff, but uh, in terms of media as a business, I think there's a lot of soul searching that's happening right now in terms of what are the business models that make the most sense, uh, you know, maybe advertising and relying on advertisers uh, as a revenue stream isn't as sustainable for some media companies as, as it is for others. So um, lots of learnings. I could talk forever on this. I love talking about and geeking out about media stuff. Uh, but yeah. It's interesting because with the very, I guess, fast paced changes that media and marketing and really business as a whole is experiencing, businesses like Girls Night In are really kind of championing this need to slow down. I'm wondering what that phrase means to you now and how you think working in such a fast-paced environment kind of helped you shape that definition of slowing down in this day and age. Ooh, I love this question. <laughs> it's something I think about constantly and I think it's it's constantly evolving for me. Um, in the spring of last year, I had to do a huge almost recalibration of what slowing down meant because I was not living a slow life at all. I was in the in the throes of early stage company building. I was bootstrapping the business. Um, I was honestly working so much, uh, like 24-7, and I was not living the values of self-care and girls' night in. And so I did hit a low point last spring where I had to basically hit pause on everything and just say like, this is unsustainable from an emotional standpoint, physical, mental, just like everything. So um, in that period, I just remember doing even, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but even simple things like getting up off, off of my desk and going outside at the end of the day and kind of like marking the end of a work day um, and not being so tied to work email and all of that, all, all of these like small changes that I had to to make that helped build up a habit of building a business a little more slowly. Um, now, what that looks like for me is I don't look at work email on the weekends. Uh, as a team, we also try not to send emails or Slack messages over the weekends. Um, and that's that's something that I think about a lot uh, in building a team culture. Like, how can I help our teammates and our our stakeholders realize that they don't have to be on twenty four seven? And you, you know, the weekends are for you. They're restorative time to re relax and recharge. And those are those are almost like sacred moments that um, I try to not touch. On a personal level, I try to have one to two nights per week where no screens are involved. So, um, for example, my boyfriend and I have now this tradition, new tradition of doing a puzzle night, <laughs> a puzzle and, you know, make a cocktail or tea or whatever and just work on that puzzle while like listening to a podcast or or even just not 
listening to anything and just like enjoying each other's company. And those are some of my favorite moments because it really has helped our relationship and has helped us be a little more present. I think at a very high level, living slowly and living with intention for me has been tied to my sense of identity and just trying to navigate like who am I Um, because as I prepare to enter my 30s and start thinking about big like life transitions like having kids which I really want to have kids like how am I going to be as a mother because I one thing I don't want is I don't want my business to like completely consume me and become my identity and I want to be able to be present as a mother. I want to be present as a wife and as a friend. And um, I do think those things are tied to to living a little more slowly. I'm wondering if you think that there's any sort of reason for the timing of this happening in 2018, 2019, and why there's a collective yearning for for businesses and founders who are embracing this kind of slower movement? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a really good question. And I, I've also um, noticed that as well as a, as a trend among business owners and other founders. I think that, I mean, these are complete guesses, but I think it's a reaction to a couple of things. I think one, on like a more macro level, I think we're all as as a society trying to figure out how to slow down <laughs> and all of us are feeling the sense of overwhelm. And so for a business owner, um, like one thing I'm thinking about right now is it it is a decision to slow down. It's also a decision that involves certain trade-offs. Um, mm-hmm. I think for example, to like give a more concrete example, those trade-offs might be having a slower timeline for certain launches. Um, and this is something that our team discussed literally last week. Like we wanted to launch something this spring, but we took a look and said, oh, if we launch it this spring, it means we will have to be working quite a lot <laughs> in order to launch that. And so we made the decision collectively and I had to make this decision to not launch anything in the spring and, and kick it until fall. Um, so I think there are trade-offs involved and I think it it is just that realization that um, if you continue going at a certain pace, you'll burn out. And I'm really glad that burnout is becoming such a like a forefront in conversations like there is, I don't know if you saw this, but there was that BuzzFeed article piece about the millennial burnout generation. And it was so spot on. Um, And it extends down to, to founders and business owners too. I think also a second thing I've noticed, this is more in kind of like the venture community or, or folks like founders considering taking on outside capital. I have noticed this, almost like revolt against taking on outside capital. And what that means is that, you know, if you don't take on things like venture capital money, it means that you can build things a little more on your own terms and on your own timeline. Um, And I think that's really empowering a lot of people to be able to make those changes as well. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, 
Absolutely. I mean, I my business is entirely bootstrapped and I don't come from any sort of money. I'm, you know, that's something that I think you have done a wonderful job at kind of opening a conversation around just in terms of the realities of how to start a business. And we could have a, a whole other podcast dedicated to that. Um, yeah. But definitely. And I found that my story is, you know, compared to to so many other founders is very slow in terms of, you know, getting the momentum around a business, defining what it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like only in the last couple of years have I really, I guess, developed a strong understanding of the potential of what I'm building now mm-hmm. uh, and the importance of, you know, sustainability in, in every aspect of how I do it. Because, you know, as you know, um, we kind of pivoted the business with the introduction of Connected Editorial, which is the slow content agency. And that kind of led to the inception of Slow Stories and a conversation around slow content, um, which I think is something that Girls' Night In has started to champion, even if you didn't intend to. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that phrase. I love that. Um, slow content. Well, I think that's, first of all, I think that's a brilliant phrase and I love it (laughs) because it does kind of capture how we've uh, seen our, or like viewed our content strategy at Girls Night In. Um, For us, slow content, to be transparent, a part of that has been out of necessity and just out of the constraints that we have as a team and as a business, uh, because we are a very small team right now. We're three full-time employees. <laughs> and so when you have three full-time employees and one, you want to make sure that um, you we pay every contributor and all of that, there are going to be constraints around how much content we can produce. But I think the the pro of that is that every piece of content that we do produce, it means that we are all collectively heavily invested in that and we're able to produce it with a, a great amount of intention versus pumping out, you know, several pieces of content per day. We're now, I think our content schedule is more like one, maybe two original content pieces per week. And even that actually feels like a, a, quite a lot. In my opinion, um, and so we we do practice slow content. We don't publish several pieces per week, um, and then I think for us, again, like we try to have a very clear perspective and voice, and that's something that from the beginning it it, it did come a little bit naturally to me. So the, the voice has been pretty consistent and the strategy has always been like, how, how can we deliver clear value for the reader and how can we foster a sense of community through content? I will say that from the beginning, like when I launched Girls Night In, uh, I invested pretty heavily in the brand um, from a, both a mon- monetary perspective and also from just like a brain space perspective before uh, we we started to grow. We are a very brand-centric company. And I think, again, it it, it kind of boils down into being mission, mission-driven mission and, and value-centric. So 
I think by because I invested so heavily in the brand from the outset, it has been a little less of a challenge. Like we're we're very clear on who we are and who what our mission is, who our target audience is. And that's kind of our guiding North Star when we're developing content. We're kind of in the throes right now of developing and like very clearly defining our editorial content strategy, especially going into 2019. Um, but I can share that that some of those pillars of our content strategy include things like delivering practical and actionable value in terms of self-care. Like how do we how do you actually practice self-care in all of its forms? Um, how can we develop content that's truly human-centered? So on our site, you'll see a lot of Q&As and interviews with women we admire. And that's done intentionally because I think that uh, people connect with other people and they really love, our, we found that our audience really loves learning from other women's experiences of diverse backgrounds. Um, so that's really great. And another thing this year that I'm really excited about uh, that I think uh, Man Repeller does this really well and I love them for it is bringing more of a human face to our our team. So including things like team sneak peeks and behind the scenes content uh, across our channels is really important to us. And then the the final piece of our content strategy right now uh, is generally helping people feel a little less alone in their self-care practice, in their need to slow down and stay in if they need to. Um, so yeah, I we did invest very heavily in the in the brand uh, at the start, and I I highly recommend doing that for anyone who's thinking about uh, creating content. And I think what's funny too is even though Girls Night In was born online, a huge part of the business is very much about the offline um, and experience. I know just from our experiences and working on projects that connected that there really is this kind of growing synergy between online and offline as well. So I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more to the event side of Girls Night In and how you think this idea of slow content makes its way into these offline gatherings. For listeners who might not be familiar, Girls Night In right now, we uh, gather offline every month in 10 different cities across the U.S. for a book club gathering. We've also experimented with other offline formats, like a Girls' Night in Live event that we did at The Wing last year. That was super successful. Um, And we're continuing to experiment this year. I think the intersection of online and offline content is really interesting and something that we're actually still trying to craft a strategy around, to be honest. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, it comes down to engagement and discussion. Um, I think that for us, we found particular pieces of content that are really popular on our site or newsletter. People really want to further engage with that content. And I think in previous years, what engagement meant was maybe leaving a comment or like sharing it via group chat or group text to friends and having a discussion there. Um, I think something we're really interested in this year is bringing that engagement offline and 
continuing the conversation in real life. Um, and we, right now we do, I think we do that pretty well when it comes to book club type content, but we are still kind of figuring out like, okay, what, what does that mean for our other types of content that are doing, that are performing really well with our audience? From what I've seen so far, there is such a strong sense of community in those experiences. And I'd also just want to go back to something you said about, you know, some of the pillars that are going to inform your content strategy for this year. You mentioned really wanting to give a face to the brand. And I think we also touched on this sort of pressure to use content and social as a means to, to perform. So, you know, as you've kind of gained more experience and really started to hone in on what makes Six Girls Night In different, how are you planning to kind of navigate this in a way that's true to you and the brand? Personally, like as a human being, I'm very introverted um, when it comes to sharing on social media. I do love sharing, but uh, I, I am very camera shy. Like I don't share my face a lot. I'm trying to do that a little more because I do find that it helps to create that deeper connection. And I think that in, it's really interesting. I think that in the media space or like consumer brand space, I do see a lot of founders that are so cool. (laughs) And I'm just not that, I'm not a cool girl. I'm not that person. I don't think I am. Like I'm, I'm pretty normal. I wear dorky clothes. Like I wear jeans most days. Um, And so I do feel, sometimes I feel a little out of place. Like, oh, like I'm not, cool enough to be like one of these founders, whatever. Um, like my apartment isn't a hundred percent Instagram aesthetic, beautiful. Like there, our second closet is a mess. Like I would be so embarrassed to share that on social media. Um, but I think sharing things like that and sharing not just those like physical things too, but also the more emotional and maybe like mental load things of being a founder. Like for example, I shared recently on um, Money Diaries or Refinery29, I, I shared a bit about my finances when I first started the company. I think that it's by sharing those kind of like ugly wart type perspectives of being a founder. Um, my hope is that it will help encourage others to have a more realistic view of what it means to start a business and and how to, you know, what it means to do that a little bit in the public eye. Uh, you don't have to be super perfect. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to necessarily come from a lot of money or what have you. Um, that's, that's my hope in getting more out there as a founder. Um, is to, to not only develop those deeper connections with our audience, but also show other potential founders who may have felt like they don't fit that cookie cutter version of what a capital F founder looks like um, to follow their dreams and, and prepare for it and go for it. I think that's great. We don't need more quote unquote cool. We need, you know, we need real. Um, so on that note, is there one question that you wish people asked you more often? Oh, wow. One question I wish people asked me more often. I I think going back to 
the previous question maybe or the previous conversation, I wish people more people asked me details about the beginnings of Girls Night In and what it actually was like. So I I did share some of the financial details, but uh, I'd also be interested to share more details around like how did it affect my mental well-being, my physical well-being, and also my relationships with people. Um, I think those are really interesting stories to pull out as well. You know, obviously, there's so much more that we could dive into in this particular conversation. But, you know, in the interest of timing and taking some time to unplug afterwards, I want to ask you one final question that's become sort of the central element of our episodes. And that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better? Good question. Deep question. Um, I think ultimately, you know, we're living in this age of endless scrolling through a firehose stream of content. And on one hand, that's great because it's like we'll never get bored. <laughs> and we have so much choice as consumers. Um, but I think it, it is important to slow down our relationship to content because it, it that forces us to be more intentional in our consumption. And when you're more intentional about something, you derive more value from it. Um, and so pra- on a practical level, I think by consuming less content and slowing down, it means that you'll be able to breathe a little bit easier and give your brain a little more space to do other things you enjoy and to live a fuller, better life. And there you have it. For more from Alicia and Girls Night In, you can follow them at Girls Night In Club on Instagram and subscribe to their newsletter on girlsnightin.com. Also stay tuned for an exclusive follow-up portion of this interview coming soon to our column on Create and Cultivate. As always, thank you so much for listening to Slow Stories, and we'll be back on June 12th with our next episode.